DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Time to welcome back Ken Pomeroy from KenPom.com to talk college basketball. Ken, good morning. Good morning, fellas. It's been a while. It has been a while, but College Hoops is back, sort of, in a crazy way. Games being made up on the fly, teams flying all over the place trying to find a game, people on Twitter asking for a game. And I'm curious, uh, because going through college football here, PK is, um, what, do you, what do you say, PK? You're 0% interested in the Pac-12 race and the Pac-12 champ. You're, you're maybe 10 or 20% of your normal interest in who the Big Ten champ is because the schedules are all over the place. Teams are playing different number of games. Teams are mixing and matching on short notice without real preparation. Teams are playing with guys missing. And I'm assuming all of this is going to happen in college basketball, too. So how hung up should we get on the races and the field of 68 and all that kind of stuff? How are you going to do this? Yeah, well, I think you just are you get as hung up as you want to be. I mean, I, I feel like it's I'm looking at it like it's a practice season. You know, eligibility is frozen, so uh, everybody that wants to come back next year will probably be back. Uh, the schedule is obviously going to be disrupted. already has been, so it's not going to look like a normal season. Uh, hopefully, things look a little rosier in a month or two or three, uh, and things look a little bit more normal. But it's pretty clear it's not going to be a normal season. And if you're expecting that, you'll be disappointed and you may lose interest. But uh, I'm just looking at it like, hey, if we can get – teams playing you know 20 games or so this year that's a, a pretty good it's a pretty good deal considering what the alternative is and, and we don't really have i don't you know we haven't had that situation like with football where you know some guys are out or some units are out or whatever like seems like in basketball right now the standard for the most part there have been a couple exceptions but for the most part you know somebody on the team tests positive like the whole team shuts down so it's not like you know you're missing a key guy here and there for the most part I'm reading my latest edition of Sports Illustrated, and there you are referred to as analytics guru Ken Palm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not gonna call you anything but analytics guru. You're now AG. Today. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> the AG. That's that's what's going on the business card from now on, PK. <laughs> and I'm I'm barely talking to you because you made fun of me on Twitter. Well, I, yeah, I, did, I wasn't making fun of you. I don't think you took that in the spirit it was intended. It was <laughs> you just you just misquoted my guy Ryan Leaf, so I had to stick up for him. I was on the treadmill, and obviously BYU football is such a big hot topic. And I appreciate Ryan because he was willing to have an opinion. And I was listening to satellite radio, and I said, meant to say he qualified it. And I said he e-qualified it, which really, when you think about it, it's like equal and equality. You know, everything is e-bikes and all. So it's kind of a new version of the word when when you think about it. So it was at least ballpark, but you made sure to point out one of my rare mistakes. And you hurt me, E.G. or A.G. I didn't. I apologize if anyone was offended by by my comments, but I like that word. It's a great word, and I uh, again just sticking up for my guy Ryan Leaf. I don't know. Did you guys Did you guys watch the Broncos game yesterday? This is a total tangent, but uh, 
obviously they didn't have a quarterback. And so, so at the end of the game, you know, they flash this graphic up and they're like, uh, you know, this is the first game since 1998 that a team threw more interceptions than completions. And you know, obviously the 1998 game was the Chargers and Adam Amin, Adam Amin of Fox doing the call. And he's like this super nice guy. Like he's, you know, he, on Twitter, he's just like, Mr. Nice Guy, and I was like, oh, he's not going to mention Ryan Lee's name. He's not going to mention Ryan Lee's name. And sure enough, he's like, yeah, that was the, you know, Chargers actually had a real quarterback with Ryan Lee in that case, so this really isn't anything like that. I was like, poor Ryan Lee, man. He just never, never catches the break. You're going to get me off on a Ryan Leaf tangent here, and I really don't want to do that. So I'm going to. tangents. I'm going to uh, <clears throat> try and take the high road here. I am stunned at how soft people from Jersey are, PK. Come on. What? But that that got you going? Come on, you're from Jersey. You just shed that stuff. That's what you've told us. Just... I know, but that, that had nothing to do with analytics. I mean, Ken Palm's <laughs> usefulness on planet Earth is His for analytics. Numbers, and he has letters. no right to speak up unless we're talking about analytics. Stick to That's numbers. That's the point. Stick, yeah. stick to numbers, avoid letters, and yet here he is talking about I, letters and being right. If I were him, I would have wanted to know, okay, when you're on the treadmill trying to type out a message on Twitter, what's the percentages that you're going to screw it up and miss a word because you're actually in movement as you're uh, tweeting something? And so his usefulness, he didn't even do it. He just took a shot. No, I'm not going to accept okay, that. Now. He's better than that. I'm a little offended now because you know how many times on Twitter, you know, you get told to stick to sports and how annoying that is. And now you're telling me not just to stick to sports, but I have to stick to like numbers within sports. Yes. Yes. That's what you're known for. You're the analytics guru. I'm looking at Sports Illustrated here. You're not the social uh, justice warrior. It doesn't say that. It says analytics guru Ken Pomeroy. I'm looking at her. I got it right in front of my face. I'm holding it up right now. I'm English language policeman as well, PK. Okay. <laughs> police, police officer, buddy. Be correct. Right, of course. Jeez, man, what is wrong with you? So it's not just stay in your lane there, Ken. This is basically Earl Anthony. You know? your, your lane is a bowling alley. <laughs> stay in your lane. All right. So one thing about this football season is I can continue to live with the college football. No, I want to talk football. The college football, college basketball comparison. One thing with this football season is there are teams for whom this, if you ever had to do it, it came at the right time, right? Nobody wants to go through this. We're all sick of going through this, and we're all going to have to go through this for a little while longer. But if there is a silver lining, it's that it didn't happen to 2019 Utes when they were bringing back a bunch of guys who could have gone to the draft as juniors, and they were set up for a big year as a senior. And they got to have their big year and find out how good they were, and they fell short in the Pac-12 title game. This was always going to be a rebuilding year. In college basketball, are there any teams you can say that for? Or the nature of college basketball with one and duns, you can never really say that. Uh, so I'm not sure I understand the question. You're talking about are there teams that are... They were rebuilding anyway. They're pretty good teams, but you weren't expecting them to be big this year. Uh, Gonzaga looks like they're awesome, right? So this is a terrible year for them to maybe not get to test themselves to end up playing, you know, like you said, you hope they play 20 games. They may end up playing 13. I mean, who knows? Who knows how this is going? Yeah. You know, Gonzaga has its best team ever, basically. So they, uh, 
they desperately want a season so badly that, you know, in uh, they played in Florida this past week in a four-team tournament, and uh, members of their team, at least members of their organization, tested positive before they played Auburn, and they still went ahead and somehow played the game. And I'm not exactly sure how they got away with that, but uh, that gives you some insight into the fact that things are maybe a little different in basketball than than football where uh you know obviously it's a smaller unit you'd think there'd be a little more care taken on this front but um but anyway Gonzaga's out there playing anybody and everybody and uh this is a really special team for them so it would be a shame for them if things got shut down because you know they do have guys who are probably headed to the NBA after this season so it's not like they're going to get that do-over that they so uh that they would would like in that case I, the thing about Gonzaga like they have like if you just put together like the all WCC team, this is not how it's going to play out. But I really think they have the best player at every position in the in the entire league. <laughs> like that's how dominant they are. I don't know if I've ever I cannot remember another case like that. There's usually some other guy in the league that jumps out, but they have like uh, yeah, you just put together the you know the best the all WCC team, and you have to put together an all Gonzaga team. And it's it's obviously not how the writers are going to do it at the end of the year, but but they would be justified in doing so. Wow, I mean, that is intense to think that they're that good. And then when you say this is the best team that they've ever had, I mean, I'm not necessarily arguing with you. It just is so impressive. Explain to us some of the characters and the names of the guys as to uh, why you say that. Identify them for our listeners. Well, the guy who uh, most people probably haven't heard of is Jalen Suggs, who is a freshman point guard. Um, 6'4 kid who uh, kind of uh, stole the show in this Florida event and, uh, you know, is the real deal as a kind of a five-star freshman. The, the hype, not that there was like necessarily a ton of hype with him, but um, what there was, certainly, he certainly lived up to it. Uh, Andrew Nemhard is a transfer from Florida who was really just made eligible really the, the night or maybe even the day of their first game. And uh, it was a little bit earlier than that, maybe three or four days before the first game. But, uh, um, you know, transferring from Florida, he too, like he was a point guard at Florida. Like he probably would be the best point guard in the league if it wasn't for the fact that Jalen Suggs is going to take most of those minutes. But so they moved Nemhard to the two. So he's I think the, the most, the best shooting guard in the league. And, and they, they end up playing small now. Joel Ajayi, who uh, is uh, a six, five wing will play the three, another kind of NBA prospect may well get drafted. Uh, Corey Kispert, who's made all American teams this year is uh at the four, uh, played three, really, his first three years of college, but at the four now. And, uh, um, uh, you know, again, All-America, so he's, you know, really one of the best in the country. And then their center is Drew Timmy, who's a, a sophomore who's kind of coming out of his shell, uh, played behind some guys last year, but getting a lot more minutes this year. And just this kind of fluid five who can step out and, and make threes. And uh, basically, I would take any one of those guys over anybody else in the, in the WCC at their position. Who is the second best team in the West, and how big is the gap? Uh, that's a, a good question. The, um, you know, the Pac-12 once again this year really doesn't have a team that uh, stands out in terms of being a, a Final Four contender. Uh, I think all all eyes are, I guess, on Arizona State, who uh, you know got pretty fortunate in terms of draft decisions last year. Some guys uh, could have gone pro that. Uh, elected not to. Um, most famously, uh, Remy Martin, who uh, you know was their 
uh, combo guard who, uh, you know, people are pretty familiar with uh, during his three years uh, in the Pac-12. But, uh, but he's back. Um, they also added a couple of really nice freshmen, uh, in, uh, namely Marcus Bagley, who is uh, the brother of, uh, of Marvin Bagley and uh, has kind of a similar game, a little bit smaller, but similar game. And then Josh Christopher, who's a 6'5 wing, who has been just fantastic for them in, in early play. So, uh, so, yeah, they're probably the second-best team in the West. And maybe, you know, when they get some continuity and, and the freshmen kind of get uh, integrated into the system, although they, they played really well, you know, to start. Um, uh, you know, that's a team that, that could make some noise in the tournament and probably the team that uh, people are going to want to catch in the Pac-12. Yeah, you speak of the Pac-12 with all this one-and-done stuff. You know, they've got good players. They may not have the great teams. You, you just look at the draft. What was it, uh, last week or the week before, whenever it was now? I think it was last week. Uh they had, what, 10 guys go? And, you know, I don't know. Well, we, we, they didn't have a tournament, so we don't know who would have done what. But you look at it again this year, and that might be the same thing. You know, you got a kid that SC Mobley, he's expected to be a lottery pick. Uh, you've got uh, Zaire Williams, another freshman at Stanford. And uh, there's just two guys off the top of my head. You already mentioned Josh Christopher. Uh, the day he signed with the Devils, they were talking about him being a lottery pick, so he was most likely going to be a one-and-donner. So they have these good players, but they don't necessarily have good teams that do a lot in the NCAA tournament. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that is a fair assessment. It's uh, you know The one-and-done thing is tricky because sometimes you get guys who uh, come in and they're, you know, 19 years old and they're developing and they obviously have a lot of potential and you can see the, you know, how their game translates to the next level and, um, and all that, but you don't get necessarily the instant production that right. you would expect. I mean, obviously that player two years down the road, if he stayed in college, it'd be, you know, maybe the best player in the game, but uh, it just doesn't work that way. And so it's, uh, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to kind of time that. I, you know, Shaka Smart at Texas is probably the, really the guy who suffers from this the most. I mean, he seems to bring up five-star big man every year and, you know, big men take a little bit longer to develop. And so you get them into the program and, you know, they're fine, but they're raw when they play. And then they obviously declare for the draft and get picked, you know, 14th or whatever, and, you know, end up making a lot of money and having a decent career at the next level, but they don't necessarily give you anything to, to push you over the top in terms of your program. Ken Pomeroy joining us, KenPom.com. How many NCAA tournament teams do you think are in the state of Utah? Well, there could be there could be two. Uh, you know, certainly Utah, I, I, my system has high hopes for them. Uh, you know, bringing back – the same with Utah is, you know, they obviously have not started their season yet, got shut down pretty much with uh, a few COVID cases. Uh, even before that happened, they kind of opted out of the South Dakota tur- tournament, uh, which uh, would have provided them with some interesting competition. But playing basketball in South Dakota at this time is, you know, was not a great idea. And I think they wisely pulled out. But uh, it's a shame because they do kind of have that team, you know, in terms of bringing back a lot of guys from last year, the type of team that you would expect to maybe thrive in a situation where practice is limited and they can just kind of roll the ball out and, and uh, play against teams. You know, I, like we saw, I guess, with Richmond against Kentucky yesterday where, you know, Richmond's a very experienced team. They're playing a Kentucky team that's 
entirely new, an entirely new roster. And two months from now, Richmond may not beat Kentucky, but right now you know, they can beat them easily. And, and Utah is kind of in that position as well. Uh, so I do think, you know, they have a chance to get in, you know, certainly a higher uh, Pac-12 finish, you know, you know, fourth, fifth in the league is, is certainly doable. And if they do that, they probably make it into the tournament. And BYU is a little bit more of a mystery uh, just because they lose so much from last year. And, you know, the, the, the writers and the media and the people that follow the league are still pretty high on them, which is a great credit to Mark Pope. I mean, this is a team that, again, doesn't bring back a lot of talent from last year, and they're going to rely on some guys to play bigger roles that aren't used to playing bigger roles. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. I'm probably a little more skeptical than most about them, but, uh, you know, they're off to a, a good start early, even though they really haven't faced any, any competition worthy of uh, getting excited about. Well, Ken, we appreciate a few minutes. You are the guru. AG. AG. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Don't, don't <laughs> equalify me. <laughs> you need to stick to numerical sports. You are equalified as a success no matter what you do. <laughs> All right, BK, I appreciate that. Once the NCAA selection committee starts using your numbers, you know you've hit the big time, Ken. Oh, that, and that's been a while. Man. I know, I know. That's when he hit the big time. It has yeah. been a while. You've been big time that, for a while. I play that card all the time, guys, when I get pulled over by the cops. <laughs> Come on now. You know who I am? <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> all right, Ken, we appreciate the time. We'll check in with you again uh, later in the season. All right. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. Ken Pomeroy from KenPom.com. When we come back, Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, talking college football, talking Pac-12 football, and talking Utes and Washington and Utah and Oregon State. Yogi Roth, coming up next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. I would just be sitting and waiting for any game to get canceled involving a P5 or a high G5 team. And as soon as a game you see gets canceled or postponed, you immediately get on every you know national radio show or, or national TV show. You get your social media saying, let's go. You had your game uh, blown up. We're ready to go. We'll go to your place. We'll play anywhere you want to play and just go on the offensive. Exactly. I mean, look, we all have fun with the fact that they made Cosmo dancing videos go viral. Let's make some stuff that matters go viral, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, oh Riley. You are speaking my language, Riley. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. We are joined now by Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Networks. Yogi, welcome back to the show. Yeah, good good to be back. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're glad the Pac-12 football is finally here, even if it is kind of piecemeal, mix and match, games made up on the fly. Some games are better than no games for people who like to watch football. Uh, how disoriented are you by all of this? How weird do you find this season? <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely something none of us have clearly ever experienced. Uh, to me, after the first game of the season, the first week of the season, I should say, I tried to just flip my mind to kind of just appreciate the games we get and and not be frustrated by the, the games that get, get canceled. Because when I walked into the season, I, I was really confident with 
daily testing and everything that was kind of trending towards the Pac-12 direction that maybe won't be the school or the conference that won't be as affected as the other one because of all the precautions. And what we've all realized is that this virus is clearly dictating terms, regardless of how much you're testing and the safety protocols and the measures that each school are taking. So after the frustration from week one, because I was surprised by that, uh, now it's more of like, all right, like we got four games. Let's, let's celebrate all the ones that we get. And uh, I think with the teams and the frustrations that you know, a program like Utah is having, it's, it's flipping the script to next year and, and talking about the positives that can come out of the season. So that, that's kind of how I've been dealing with it. But clearly there's been a lot to, to go through on the field. And then, you know, to me, you, you take a minute and look in the newspaper, you see what else is going around the world, and, and you realize that you know, we're lucky that we get a couple games. You know, this easily could get shut down, I can imagine, just based on what the world is like right now. Yeah, the way I'm looking at it, Yogi, is this season is like a lab. You know, we all took college classes, and you had to go to labs. And they were important, but, you know, they weren't as important as the tests. And so I'm not putting a whole lot of stock necessarily in the conference races. But once – and I was at the SC-Utah game, you know, no fans, and we know about that great environment that they have. But once the ball was hiked, you know, it was real football. It may not have been the real football to the level that – it would be if you knew you were playing uh, months in advance and all that stuff. But still, it's what we got, so let's enjoy it because obviously it's better than nothing. As I step back, recognizing that it's not a true season in the way we know it, to me, so far, the biggest surprise is Colorado. Yeah, I think that's really fair um, on the positives, right? Like the biggest surprise to me, it's probably Arizona State playing one game, you know, <laughs> out of all the things that have happened this year. That, that one is surprising the most, I think. But, yeah, I'm with you. And I got to call Colorado, San Diego State over the weekend just based on the late change that happened in their schedule. And I think there's a couple things. One is that program's really well coached. They'll remind you of Utah in that regard. Two, because of the head coaching change, we almost forgot about the returning players they've had. And the defensive front, it's real. You know, and I'm not just talking about Nate Lamb and the linebacker making a bunch of plays, but Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson. But they, they have some guys that really look the part physically uh, and have experience. You know, they, they all played since the moment they got to Boulder. So I'm with you there. And then, of course, Sam Neuer is probably the best story of the season with Jared Broussard, two guys that no one anticipated being you know, alpha leaders on this program, let alone statistical leaders in the conference. And they both to me, are playing at, at some version of an all-conference level at, at their respective positions. So I'm excited for that program. Everybody clearly coming back. I'd anticipate Neuer coming back for that, that mulligan year you referenced. And and they're going to be a fun team to watch. And, you know, it's a tough situation that they're in with the game being canceled at SC because the, the way I understand it this morning, because it changed over the week in my interpretation of it, is that if them and SC went out, then because of SC having more conference games, that's a better conference record, they would go to the title, even though SC had to pull out of their head-to-head game, which is just frustrating and mind-boggling to a large degree. But that, that's the way the rule is now. So, uh, unfortunately for Colorado fans, I think you, you kind of, of course, need to win out, but you also want SC to have a game postponed, which is not a healthy way of operating in a 2020 pandemic, but that's the reality of it. Maybe you should just root for UCLA to beat USC. 
That yeah, would do it. Is. Now, yeah. is UCLA better? Are they turning a corner? They lost to Colorado, but if Colorado's good, maybe that's not such a deal. UCLA ought to be better. I'm like, you're in the middle of Southern California. Get it together. Get it yeah. together. Are they, <laughs> they doing are. that? They are. They really are. I mean, the thing with Chip Kelly is when he came in, you know, it wasn't like your standard come to L.A., go get a bunch of L.A. recruits, and we win now. I, that's what we all thought it would be. That's definitely what I thought it would be. The reality, looking back on this thing with revisionist history in mind, they had a total roster overhaul. I'm talking like 70, 80 players overhaul. It wasn't like 10 guys left because they weren't starting and they were mad. This was like a big-time overhaul. Guys retiring, guys transferring, guys just opting out, guys just quitting football, um, guys not being you know academically eligible to be on the, pro- on, the on the roster. And then, of course, the way Chip Kelly recruits is that he's not just going to recruit the biggest names in L.A. You've got to fit the personality type. You've got to fit all the metrics that they have. And they didn't really recruit L.A. well, to be really blunt, his first year and a half in this program in terms of some of the names you thought they'd be in on. But over the last year and a half, they've done that, as well as really recruited the J.C. level. Uh, and, of course, uh, the portal. They've worked the portal. So you look at their defense. The leaders on this defense weren't within the program, you know, or weren't eligible to play, right? They had a transfer linebacker uh, from Texas early last season who couldn't play last year. He's the leader of the defense. You have uh, a, a Calvert, their linebacker. He wasn't eligible most of last season due to an NCAA rules violation. The starting safety was playing at Kent State. The starting corner was playing at Stanford. I mean, almost uh, half their defense are, are new players. And then there's the depth that all played as freshmen two years ago or last year. So you're right uh, on that side. They're making plays and winning a lot of scrimmage. And offensively, they're doing what Chip Kelly's, I think, really always loved to do, which is run the ball with incredible diversity. Demetrius Felton, to me, might be the most explosive player in this conference. You know, to really think about it, that's a fair discussion to have with what he's done over the course of this season, let alone his career. Britton Brown is the big back that Chip Kelly loves to pound the rock with. And then at quarterback, they've survived without Dorian the last two weeks to Chase Griffin. Um, you could argue they outplayed Oregon. I, I think they did at the line of scrimmages, which I would have never thought I would say. Sean Ryan it might be the best left tackle in this conference right now. And they're, they're just playing a good brand of ball. And then once they get a first first down, they're really putting you in a dramatic bind. And I, I saw something last night just to kind of make my final point on them that absolutely blew my mind which was when you look at the Pac-12 right now, if I told you that UCLA had the leading uh, uh, yard, yardage uh, wide receiver, you'd probably you'd say there's no chance that that's the case, but it's the truth with Greg Dolchich, number one receiver in total yards, number two running back in total yards, and number two and number five in their sack leaders, and also Odigizua and Caleb Johnson, who is the, Ke- the Texas transfer. I mean, think about that. But that. We would have never thought that about UCLA, but that's their truth, so... Yes, they have turned a corner, and the SC game will be huge for that program and and definitely wouldn't be surprised if they came out on top because they've played well. So the Utes uh, lost a ton on defense, and we've seen they've made some mistakes and some coverages. They let the tight end for Washington get loose. And on offense, they've had nine turnovers, which is so un-Whittingham-like. 
And so that's led to their 0-2 thing. And the thing that really, really bothers me, I think it sucks the most, is that going on the theory that this season is a lab, particularly for the Utes, since they had to replace so many dudes from last season, the thing that really upsets me is this could have been a great opportunity for Cam Rising to get his feet wet because he hadn't played in college after transferring from Texas, and he gets 14 plays and he goes out with injury. I mean, I... That really does suck, and I think that that has the potential to not be a wasted season, but not be the development that the entire team for the Utes that they could have gotten if he could have had the opportunity to play. Yeah, I, I, I concur on all of that. Um, I'm with you, man. I mean, the excitement around Cam Rising was amazing when he came in, and then it got tempered because Jake Bentley transferred in. You're thinking, all right, if they're going to take a grad transfer, they probably – believe in the fact that they needed grad transfer a quarterback and then for him to respond the way he did and win the job I mean I would have loved to have seen him practice let alone playing a game just to see his ability because clearly the staff believed in him and you're right this is a team that they have all the tools to be a championship caliber team like do not be surprised next year in the preseason poll when they get a bunch of votes to win the Pac-12 South uh, just pending guys going to the draft, and I don't anticipate everybody returning for the year that's a relative mulligan in 2020. So I'm with you. Super frustrating in that regard. Uh, I think to your point, though, on the defense, it is going to be a dramatically beneficial year for them. To all the things that you referenced, and when we talked about it before the season started, the biggest challenge, I think, for guys, especially in the back end, is playing games, is playing the ball and making real real real-time, real-speed, high-speed decisions when you've got to trust in the coverage, your technique, all, all the things that every coach will say, you know, you got you need game reps. I just, I just believe that. So for that back end to get those games reps, it's going to be huge. It really is. And, you know, the front seven played obviously much better than they did uh, in the first game of the season. Their offensive line looked like a different unit against UW for a lot of that game in terms of just moving the line of scrimmage. You know, they weren't perfect, of course, but they played much better than I thought they did in their first outing. And the turnovers, it's just super uncharacteristic to your point. Uh, but they're they're really young, which to me is uncharacteristic covering them for the last decade. Like, I feel like Utah's never been the young team. But clearly with all the departures they are. So, yeah, Sky is, is much uh, brighter in better days in, uh, in terms of 2021. And it'll be fun to watch them these last couple of weeks because now they get to kind of play spoiler to a certain degree with – Oregon State with the biggest win you could argue in conference play over the last couple seasons. I mean, what a what a dramatic win by them for that program. And then, of course, against Colorado, which will try to remain undefeated. So it'll be fun to watch Utah in the final month here or the final couple weeks. So we mentioned the free year multiple times, and that sounds good, but this could be a, uh, from what I've been told, a classic uh, NCAA PR move, but behind the scenes isn't that good for student-athletes because I was told, well, there's a math problem here. Either they're going to squeeze the freshmen or they're going to, the incoming class, or they're going to move the scholarship limit up to 100 or 110 athletes. So, but all the schools have financial at, uh, issues, so they probably keep it at 85, which means coaches are going to have hard conversations and force kids out of the program, especially kids in the third or fourth year who haven't uh, made an impact and found their way onto the field. Now, nobody wants to say that into a microphone or a camera, 
But if you have an honest discussion with someone away from it, that is what they say with no hesitation or apology. Are you hearing the same thing, or do you think it's going to play out differently? Well, I think this, uh, and I talked to someone in recruiting last night because here we are, you know, two and a half weeks away from signing day. So I'm beginning my prep today, to be honest with you, on signing day. It's usually what I would do in the beginning of December because the season would be relatively over. It's supposed to be championship week right now. Uh, with that said, I, I asked that exact question. And the way that uh, it is working, to my understanding as of a few hours ago, is that you're basing your 2020 class, 2020-2021 class, on your senior class. So if you have 20 outgoing seniors, uh, you're going to have 20 eligible scholarships. If you have 11 outgoing seniors, like I think Oregon State does, for instance, you have 11 scholarships, right? So that is, to me, the understanding that programs are operating with, is your senior class is the one that gets the quote-unquote extra year, um, so whatever you have in your senior class, that's what you should offer to the freshman class coming in. Now, my counter to that, and this is how I would do it if I was a head coach, is I would not sign a heavy class this year if it was based on that ideology. So let's just say I had 20 seniors, right? Just let's be very general. And I have 20 then scholarship opportunities for freshmen. I would sign like 10 or 12. For, for two points, one is, is for all intents and purposes, we should assume that the NCAA is going to allow players to transfer next year without being penalized. So I would fill up my roster with a bunch of older guys next year, a bunch of grad transfers, a bunch of people that are in junior, senior years of eligibility, um, because I don't want to be too young. Because to your earlier point, if now all of a sudden I signed 20 real freshmen, last year I signed 25 real freshmen, the year before I signed 25 now either redshirt freshmen or sophomores, I have so many young players and probably overloaded a lot of positions that guys are going to leave anyway. So with the anticipation of the one-time transfer rule happening, I wouldn't load up with a bunch of 17-year-olds that didn't visit your campus for the most part, didn't play a senior year in high school for the most part, that you don't know a ton about for the most part. I would say, you know what, I'm going to go work the portal like never before, and I think you're going to see major roster overhaul at the programs that do that. And, and I think for this year, that's the, that's the way to go if you can get those types of athletes academically into your institution. So then the people who get squeezed out is not at the end of it, it's at the beginning of it, it's high school seniors now. Yeah, I think that's probably the reality of it. Um, and I think that's uh, – I'm mentoring a bunch of kids right now that didn't play their senior year. And it's, it's a terrible situation to be in because all they have is workouts you know, in the park, they can put on video, right? So for coaches, like, how much do they trust in junior tape? And then the frustrating part for those young men, the, the young players, is nobody's, nobody's seen them develop. Like, I'm talking to a quarterback now named Billy Osborne, who I think is a gifted player out of the state of New Jersey. He went from 6'1", 180 pounds, to 6'4", 205 as a senior. And he got squeezed out. He got to get a couple games in, but because – Coaches always offer quarterbacks early. He didn't get to go to a camp, right? And, and there's kids like that in California and, and all over the Pac-12 footprint. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to watch what coaches do, um, especially the new coaches in this conference that didn't get to go out to a bunch of these high schools. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real tough scenario uh, to me. And I, I wish I was part of this meeting, and I've said forever I'd love to be on the – committee for you know 
the, the college football playoff president or the college football president because there needs to be a building that has three floors at least that is operating this thing because I would say you get 25 extra scholarships. That's how I would do it. And then I would say it's on you, coach, to manage that personnel and to manage the amount of players that you play and to manage the personalities but not squeeze anybody out. But I don't, you know, my understanding is that that's not necessarily going to happen anytime soon to just say, okay, you're at, you know, now at 110 scholarships to your earlier point. You know, there's so many financial stressors on institutions and athletic departments anyway. So I don't know, man. That, that's what I would do um, to, 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 suck, to help the game. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily anticipate that happening. Well, Yogi, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on once again, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Yeah, you got it, guys. Stay safe. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, joining us once again right here with DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More college football to come. There are uh, scheduling changes over college football. What can the Cougars do? Where can they jump in? How can they help themselves? We will get to that next. Stay with us. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Heavy rush coming, and Cousins lost the ball. Picked up by the Panthers, and Carolina will score right up the middle. Chin dunks the ball over the crossbar. Touchdown, Carolina. A defensive score. On the handoff from Cousins, and it's taken away by Chin, but I think a whistle had sounded. Chin grabbed it out of the, the pile and took it into the end zone. The Panther sideline is celebrating like there was no whistle. That's going to be a Carolina Panther touchdown. Back to back, Jeremy Chin touchdowns. Unbelievable. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. It's two plays, actually. Jeremy Chin, you never see defensive players score touchdowns on consecutive plays from scrimmage. You rarely see offensive guys do it, but it happened for a defensive player, and then the Panthers blew it in the fourth quarter and lost the game to Minnesota anyway, 28-27. But, nonetheless... That kick was awful, by the way. Nonetheless, it was also a 54-yarder. Nonetheless, he gets the Chevy Strong play of the game. You got any memory of seeing that, PK? A defensive guy scoring on consecutive snaps? No, definitely not. Yeah, I don't remember anything like that. All right, there you go. Uh, know that today at 4.50, and you can win uh, fabulous prizes on the big show. All right, PK, we've been uh, talking a little Pac-12 football with Yogi Roth. Time to get to the, uh, the Cougars and the path, the strategy, what to do now with three weeks left in the college football regular season. BYU's got one game. Tom Homo tweeting out last night that the feelers are out. The connections are made. The, the notice has been posted. BYU needs a game. BYU wants a game. Anytime, anywhere. Now, who can play them? Conferences take care of their own first. As we saw, Washington did indeed end up playing Utah, as uh, we suspected. Uh, certainly, I suspected from the second I heard Kyle Winningham's press conference a week earlier, tipped off by your comment 10 days earlier that ASU was going to have trouble fielding a team for the Utah game. And now we're seeing the same thing happen in the ACC. I know a lot of BYU fans over the weekend were hoping BYU could play Miami, but the ACC's got Miami playing Duke because Duke was supposed to play Florida State, and Florida State's got a COVID outbreak. So Miami's playing Duke. They're not available. Now, who might come available today, tomorrow, the day after? It's a weird 2020 thing, but we're all sitting around waiting to see what games are canceled and if that's an opportunity for BYU. And you made the point earlier that a game would be great, 
But if nothing else, you can win the PR game, even if you can't win a real game, just by making yourself available publicly 30 seconds after a game is canceled. Yeah, I mean, I think that's already out there. I think BYU, if you're following college football, you know about the BYU story this year, right? BYU's got a big enough brand name, so at least you're aware of their football program. It's not Central Michigan, whomever, Northern Illinois, when they made the run a few years back. That's not who BYU is. It has a brand name to the extent that you can at least argue people know about them. And so they know of their situation this year. So everybody is looking forward. Can BYU get a game? You know, Can they prove themselves some more? Or can they prove themselves at all if you don't think they've proved themselves because they've played such an inferior schedule? Wherever you stand on that argument, everybody understands that BYU wants to have this opportunity. Well, now, because they want to, we also understand – And I think most of us would agree that conferences need to take care of themselves first. So pitting Utah against Washington was, from the Pac-12 perspective, the absolute right thing to do. Take care of your own. Get yourselves that money and have these conference teams play. So that eliminated BYU from the Washington discussion, which I never thought that was going to happen anyway because I always knew that the Devils weren't going to be able to play, so Utah was going to go to Seattle or Seattle, Washington was going to come to Salt Lake, and we know what happened there. But the fact that BYU is willing, now they got to make sure that they follow through. You got the little, even though I don't think it was a, a needed or a justified mulligan, you got it. Now, but next time going forward here, if it comes on Thursday night, you got to say yes. And it's freaky, stupid, crazy, whatever. We all get it, but you still got to say yes. If it doesn't come to pass, you can't criticize BYU for not being able to play a team going forward. If you want to criticize their schedule, so be it. But I don't think you can say, wow, man, they should have had the opportunity because if it's not available, how can you do it? If it is available and then they don't do it, that's another story. But I believe that they will basically and now say yes to anything, anywhere, that spiel, as long as it's obviously not a, on a Sunday. Uh, actually, one of the games that uh, Cougar fans can now track going forward is the Sunday game that was a Friday game. USC and Washington State has been moved to Sunday night. Now... Maybe that'll give SC a chance. I guess the hope is, the plan is, that that'll give SC two extra days, players will get healthy, and they'll have enough people to play the game because obviously they didn't have enough people to play Colorado this past weekend. Uh, but if that falls through, Washington State as a potential opponent for BYU, I mean, at this point you're just looking at every potential matchup. I, and I think at yeah. this point any yeah. Power 5 team that would play you would, would be a bonus. And I think in the case of the Pac-12, I think you always have to look at the other school, what's in it for them. And so what's going to be in it for the Pac-12 and Washington State is the game would be in their stadium, part of their TV package, and obviously every game's worth $5 million, and they're having issues fulfilling their TV package. So any game they can get. Now, another game could fall apart in the Pac-12, just and we could have a Utah-Washington type situation. So it's just one maybe stacked on top of another maybe out there right now. Well, a couple things. Washington State had to cancel, so they've got issues too. Uh, we know that. Their, their issues have been uh, lingering longer. They're the reason Washington was available. Yeah. yeah, and so they've had these issues, obviously. And then as far as that goes, that was another, another point I was going to make, but 
it seems to have just avoided and slipped my mind. What was I going to say? Oh, I know what it was. Their game getting moved back a day? No. Okay. The uh, Pac-12 now with these rules in California and in Northern California not being able to practice, and what are they doing there? How is that? I mean, that just came down the other day. (laughs) I was out of the blue. Yeah. So how we haven't even really had a business day to contemplate that, right? Because that was over. Was that Friday, Saturday? Uh, that seems like it was just a couple of days it was, ago. I think it was Saturday. Rules came down Saturday. The 49ers. Right, were right. right. The Niners, Shanahan's blue. already talking yeah. about it. So how is that going to affect the Bay Area Pac-12 schools and to a larger extent the Southern California schools? And so where are we going with that? It's a, I mean, is this going to yeah. create a whole new can of worms here? It's a county rule, and there are multiple counties in the Bay Area. This county is at the southern end of the Bay where Stanford, San Jose State, and the Niners are. Uh, Cal is in a different county. So they're not impacted yet. Now their county could do it too, I suppose. Um, the, you know, the thinking, one of the thoughts, I've heard there's multiple plans for Stanford. One is that uh, they, they could play – at uh, on the Giants Stadium, where they played a bowl game until it moved to to the Niners Stadium, was that that could be a possibility. Uh, the other is that they just go outside the area because you come back to the area, then you're supposed to quarantine. So they even want them anywhere back near their houses. So they're going to be in Southern California. The Niners maybe in Dallas because they're playing there, and they could play the scheduled home game there because the Cowboys are on the road. So there's all these possibilities out there. I don't think Stanford would want to go that far. I know. So what are we thinking? I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> don't know. this is going to play out. We're making this up on the fly as we go along at this point. Right. So what does this mean? So uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy, but we sit here on a Monday morning, and we could come back Tuesday or Wednesday oh, and yeah. have all sorts of wildly, drastically different information than we have today. Right. But at the end... At the end of the day, that's Thank a new you, phrase. Thank you. At the end of the day, if you're BYU, you just have to look at any conference and say, if you've got an even number of teams that can play, I know we're out. You know, a 12-team Pac-12 that is a 10. But if you're at 7, 9, or 11, we're over here. And it's going to have to be a road game. BYU's going to have to go oh, so be it. wherever to play whoever. Uh, but just... Have, have a plane chartered with no itinerary on standby. It's a bye week for the Cougars. So Tom, when he did the media availability the last time, said they know um, that we're flexible. We've put that out there. He says there's awareness. I've talked to enough people, and people want to fulfill their TV contracts. A Pac-12 game is worth $5 bucks. An SEC game is worth more than that. So... Miami is playing Duke. That's the first uh, scheduling ad lib of the week. And USC and Washington State have moved to a Sunday. That's the second. To your point, what is Stanford going to do? They don't know. They're trying to figure that out. How about we just play Utah on Wednesday? You MLS guys, you put a bunch of games this year, and then you play two a week. How about we do that? Player safety can't happen. <laughs> Otherwise, you did it in soccer. Well, yeah, but and, they're not. Most of those they're not running live. into each other as often. <laughs> okay, so you limit. You just you don't bring them down to the ground. Thud. Yeah, <laughs> it's thud. <laughs> uh, Stanford's at Washington this week, so it's a road game for Stanford. And are they going to stay up there? Because I think they're I think they're supposed to play Oregon State the week after that. One of the Oregon schools. So maybe they just stay up there and make it a road game. 
Are your Devils going to be back? They're supposed to play UCLA. Uh, yeah, I mean that was the idea. That they're well, as we stand here today, there's a much greater chance of playing this week than there was this time last week. That's for sure. I mean, there was just no way that they were. In retrospect, there was just no way they were going to play last week. That just wasn't happening whatsoever. Here, it's a decent possibility, and the possibilities will grow each day as we get closer to Saturday. That for speaking to some people down there, uh, that they feel a little more comfortable about this week and next week. So the way things stand for the Pac-12, if you're a BYU fan right now, Oregon is a cow. That's on ESPN at 5 o'clock. Uh, Colorado's at Arizona. That's on FS1 at 5 o'clock. And Oregon State and Utah play at 8.30 on ESPN, as you pointed out, a December night game at home for the Utes. Yikes. Uh, UCLA and NSU don't have a timer network assigned. Stanford and Washington don't have a timer network assigned. I thought the Devils were the same time. I thought it was 8.30 our time. Oh, have they? I'm, I'm looking at ESPN.com right now. They haven't updated it. so I, assume I it believe they put it out last night. Okay. So Packed then, so that one's time. set then, and then Stanford and Washington is out there because of Stanford's issues, and USC and Washington State's been moved to Sunday night. So you'd have two games literally kicking off 8.30 our time. Back 12 like after the, dark. The one in Tempe, and then ours here uh, up the road in, at uh, Rice Cycles. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.